welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. KIPP, for short, brings you an exclusive look at the nature of humanity as we interface with culture and society in and out of our relationship with God. It explores the unique and contrasting position of having a biblical worldview versus a secular or societal worldview. I will explore these topics using the powerful and dynamic tools of the didactic narrative, teaching a relevant truth through storytelling, biblical exposition, teaching Bible principles, and of course, real talk. My background scans a diversity of over 35 years of work in education, government, law, ministry, business development, and consulting, respectively. Each guest speaker will bring a variety of wisdom and insight to life topics and situations that we encounter on a daily basis. So all I need you to do now as listeners is to sit back and enjoy the podcast, spread the word about KIPP, the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I will be your host, Derek L. Calhoun. That's hashtag KIP, hashtag KIP. Help me to make KIP your favorite Friday podcast. Now, let's get started. Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Nation. All of you out there around the world, I want to send a special shout out to those who are in Mexico, the Netherlands, Norway, Singapore, Vietnam, and South Africa. I uh, saw you on my analytics and want to thank you for listening around the world and, of course, the U.S. of A. Listen, I want to get right to it. This is podcast number 31. I, I should have celebrated podcast number 30, um, but I hope you celebrate with me and I celebrate with you that we've gotten this far. Uh, most podcasts, uh, 90%. Uh, don't go past podcast number 10 or 12, at least that's what I was told. So, um, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting that we're here today and, and that, uh, there's a viable audience and I call you the kingdom influencing nation. So listen, let me get right to it. I want to talk today about speaking truth to power, speaking truth to power, speaking truth to power. And, um, I want to speak from the perspective that there have been and will be and are voiceless people. There have been voiceless people in every epoch of world history. And because of the fact that there are voiceless people, there will always be the need for someone to stand in the gap, if you will, or stand as an advocate or stand as a uh, ally to help uh, push a cause where people are marginalized, where people are disenfranchised, where people are uh, uh, downtrodden, castigated. Uh, There's so many terms that that simply mean kick to the curb is probably the easiest way to describe uh, voiceless people. But I I also understand that at at some point in all of our lives, we're all voiceless. I'll talk about mine a a little bit later. but I do want to say, uh, and there have been advocates. There have been advocates for me, and, and I'm going to speak for me. I'm an African-American, so I'm going to speak for some of the advocates I know about, uh, Harriet and W.E.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington and, and Frederick Douglass and those who advocated through literature, uh, James Baldwin, um, 
Zora Neale Hurston, Langston Hughes, and many, many others that Harlem Renaissance writers. But there was Malcolm, and there's Martin, there's Shirley Chisholm, there's Fannie Lou Hammer. All of these were people who spoke on behalf of the voiceless. And um, speaking on behalf of another comes to mind when I think of the word advocacy. Whenever I think of the word advocacy, because advocacy at, at its highest peak and its highest point will cause one to speak truth to power. Uh, you will speak for the marginalized and the people who uh, might uh, be oppressing those people who are not able to speak for themselves. So uh, what's the definition of advocacy? One definition of advocacy is the act of pleading for, supporting, or recommending. Uh, there was a blog that I was scanning called What is Advocacy and Why Should You Care? Um, it said this, Linguistic, linguistically, the word advocacy stems from the Latin roots, meaning to summon, to voice, or to call. We, we summon people to a table. Uh, we use our voice to speak, the, speak truth uh, in the midst of uh, their reality, which calls attention to our reality. Now, I'm just putting that together, but I'm, I'm just trying to get us in this frame of mind of advocacy. According to the group rights of older people, advocacy involves representing and working with a person or group of people who may need support and encouragement to exercise their rights in order to ensure that their rights are upheld. Speaking, writing, or acting on behalf of those who are disadvantaged or groups being discriminated against are core ideas of the definition of advocacy. And, and you know, as believers, and I, I, you know I'm a believer, and I believe that advocacy has been around for a very long time. We can go back to biblical uh, antiquity, to the days of the first century, uh, the start of the first century church through Jesus Christ. And you'd hear John write this, First John 2, 1 and 2, and I'm just paraphrasing, but it says, If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, and the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins. He is the sacrifice for our sins. He was an advocate because we were not able to go to the Father for ourselves because of our sins. So when Christ uh, died on the cross, his blood covered our sins and allows us now to go to the Father. Uh, so he is our advocate. But uh, my first natural example was um, with my mom, my late mom, late Catherine H. Calhoun. Uh, my first law of first truth was when I was an elementary school student about the third grade. Uh, one of our teachers uh, literally uh, turned over one of the students' desks, tossing all of his materials and everything on the floor in front of the entire class. And uh, it was simply because he was one of those quiet kids that didn't respond right away. He, or if he did respond, you barely heard him. And and uh, the teacher became irate because I believe she thought, I'm looking back as an adult now, that she he was disrespecting her or belittling her. But whatever the case in point was, there was still no need to throw his desk on the floor. He's a third grader in front of the entire class and all he did was stood there and he cried 
And it was such a traumatic event for me and a traumatic experience. I went home and I told my mom. And as I told my mom, uh, she asked me, was his mom going to come? And I can't remember the exact circumstances of why his mom wasn't going to come. And, and surely I don't want to um, stereotype uh, uh, any people, so I'm going to leave some facts out. But I will say this. His mom was not in a position to come. And I told my mother that. And my mother said, I'm coming. Which for me, I didn't, you know, I mean, what, what does that mean? I didn't understand what she was talking about, but she showed up the next day. She met with the teacher. And I remember her telling the teacher that, you know, this, you should never, ever embarrass a student in front of other students at this age. The children are too young, they're impressionable, and the impression that you gave was negative. And that kind of display of anger or uh, disgust can mark them and scar them for the rest of their lives. And I just remember my mother being an advocate for that young man, and it stuck with me. That was, ooh, I had to be no more than eight. So that thing is, is like 49 years ago. And I still remember it like it was yesterday. I can still see that desk being overturned. I can still see my friend standing there with tears in his eyes and his head bowed towards his feet, uh, not knowing what to say and, and not knowing how to address the issue. Because again, at that stage in our lives, we were voiceless. And unless our parents held advocacy for us, you know, there would be no advocacy. There's a big battle right now in Texas about the social studies curriculum and the use of things like critical race theory and the New York Times Project 1619 and discussion uh, around uh, 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 what's the insurrection that happened back in, in, in January of 2021 and, and all of these kinds of things. And what will these with current events, the things that are racially divisive in our country be allowed into the classroom? And it's a mess in Texas, but the bottom line becomes this. It, it's not necessarily the school system's uh, job to teach people of uh, their culture. It's our job. It's, it's our job as parents to do that. And, and I think that in many ways, we've abdicated responsibility to the schools that uh, needs to come from us initially. And, and yes, should the schools present a more balanced curriculum? Most definitely. Should the curriculum represent the salad bowl that is the United States of America and in all of this variety of colors and diversity? Sure. But, but the point of the matter is, uh, at home, there needs to be a basis and a platform for which we as parents allow our children to leap from, if you will, so that when they leap into the world of opinions and when they leap into the world of uh, thought and academia, they have a basis from which to start from that they know is real and relevant, at least for their culture. Okay, so, and, and there's so much I could talk about when it, when it comes to that, but I remember my dad being my first historian, my dad teaching me the history and culture of, of myself as an African-American uh, boy being raised in an urban school district. He was the first one to sit me down 
and talk to me beyond Harriet Tubman, beyond Martin Luther King, and beyond Mark, uh, uh, Malcolm X. So, so we have to be advocates for our children. What does it mean or what does it take to be an advocate? Just a voice and a passion for helping other people who cannot help themselves. At one time, as I said earlier, I was voiceless during my elementary school years, and I remember both my parents being advocates for my education, speaking truth to powers concerning my ability and my capacity. They weren't willing to let just the school system tell them about me, but they knew me so well they could tell the school system about me from a different perspective and paint a different picture for me, and just to make sure that I was getting uh, um the maximum uh, result out of my educational experience. So if it were not for them, I can definitely say I would not be where I am today. They spoke up on my behalf and they spoke up on behalf of my sister. Um, and we are who we are because of them. But I can always remember as a child, my mother and father telling me that I needed to learn how to speak up. It was rehearsed in me. And so advocacy would surely be in my future. But everybody doesn't get that. Everybody's not told that. Everybody doesn't have parents that share those kinds of things with them. And I believe that in terms of my household, it was part of the oral tradition of my family that we learn to speak up for one another and learn to speak up for other people. My hope is that everyone listening has a story of parental advocacy, uh, not bullying or manipulation, but advocacy. But I know that's not necessarily true. Uh, years later, as a teacher in the public school system, uh, in a major uh, metropolitan area, I became an advocate for children growing up in some of the roughest neighborhoods in the city, speaking on their behalf, teaching them, learning from them, because just because you're an advocate doesn't mean you know more than the people you're advocating for. Sometimes you need to immerse yourself in the culture of the people that you think you need to advocate for. We call it participant observation, spending time with folk, talking to folk, sharing with folk getting their perspective. They may not want to talk to the powers to be, but they will talk to an ally. So remember that if you're looking at becoming an advocate for someone or being part of an advocacy group uh, for someone, um, what qualifies you to be an advocate? Simply a voice, and I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to uh, dance around it, an assignment from God. I believe that every point of advocacy that I've ever had was an assignment from God. Who does God use? He uses anybody. He uses anybody who opened their mouth and speak up on behalf of other people. Um, what else do you need? A driving passion to help people who have been marginalized in our society. My mother didn't go to college. She went to business school and eventually became an entrepreneur, but she was well-spoken and could handle herself in any setting. Likewise with my father. My father did have an associate's degree, was a dean's list student, but he too could handle himself in any environment. So being an advocate, though, is not about having degrees or not having degrees. It starts with a heart of compassion, fueled with a passion for the rights of other people. Let me read something quickly because I, I want to show you advocacy in the Bible. And I want to show you that you can come out of nowhere and become an advocate. I, that's why I love this story so much. It's in John 9, 1 through 9. And I'm going to be skipping around because it's a long 30-something verses. But I'm going to skip around and try to get you a, a feel for this. So Jesus 
passed by and saw a man who was blind from birth and his disciples asked him saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So here's a man, we don't have a name, we don't know who he is, we just know he was blind and according to the text, he was begging out, you know, somewhere in the community. And uh, God takes this man who was a blind beggar and makes him an advocate. Watch this. Um, so uh, the Bible goes on to say, you know, verse four, Jesus says this. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. And what was Jesus working on behalf? He was working on behalf of the sinner, of the voiceless, of those who would be marginalized even in that day. And as long as I am in the world, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Verse 6, he, when he said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with saliva, and essentially he anointed the man's eyes of the blind with the clay. And then he told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which really means sent. You know, that's kind of like an apostolic uh, 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 movement where you're sent to be sent. Um Moving on. So he went and he washed and, he, and the guy came back saying he could see. Therefore, his neighbors who previously had uh, seen him blind said this. Is not this he who sat and begged? Someone said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. And then finally, he spoke up for himself. First time. Watch this. I am he. I am he. There's someone in the community that's out there that needs to speak up and say, I am he. I'm the person you're talking about. I'm the person that you are uh, uh, mistreating. I'm the person that you are disrespecting. I'm the person that you are bullying. I'm the person that you are hurting. I'm the person that has been broken by some of the things that you have done to me. So there has to be a person who says, I am he. That's the first place of advocacy to be willing to not only to uh, speak for yourself because just because you're an advocate doesn't mean that you have not been marginalized Sometimes the best advocate is a person who's been marginalized You look at the life of Jesus and from the day one when he opened his Bible in the synagogue and 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 began to talk to the people they wanted to push him off a cliff so he knew what it was like to be marginalized to be uh, uh, kicked to the curb if you will so this voiceless man inherits a voice. So watch this. The, the Pharisees bring him into uh, an area where they want to speak to him. Verse 13. They brought him who was formerly blind to the Pharisees. Now it was Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees who asked him again how he received his sight, he said to them, He put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. And of course, you look at this. People are so religious that they're, uh, instead of rejoicing because the man can see, instead of thanking God and praising God because the man can see, uh, they're looking for a loophole because he did something that they couldn't do, which was open the eyes of the blind. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. They said to him, the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, he is a prophet. So the blind man has a voice, speaks up. They, they ask him, what do you say about him? He says, he's a prophet. Now, 
He knows he's sitting in a hornet's nest. And he knows he's speaking to the religious powers of this day and his age. And yet he speaks up and says that Jesus is a prophet. The blind man, the beggar from nowhere. John 9, 24, 34 closes out and the voiceless speaks truth to power. This is when he, he was just getting warmed up when he said, I am he and that he's a prophet. But now he's really getting ready to speak his peace. Watch this. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, you did not listen. Why do you not want, why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and they got angry with him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses as far as this fellow. We do not know where he is from. And it's amazing how this one time blind man and beggar has now become an advocate for Jesus Christ speaking on his behalf, not letting someone drag his name through the mud because they don't understand him. So here's the man's closing soliloquy, and I love this. He says this to the Pharisees. He speaks truth to them, and he says this. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And then, of course, they applied the same thing that happens today. If you say something that people don't like or disagree with, they use cancel culture on you and they responded to him and they said this. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins and are you teaching us? And of course, they cast him out. But listen, the moral of the story is you can be an advocate. It doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter where your background is. It doesn't matter what tower you sit in because you can be in a high place and need to be an advocate. You can be in the middle ground and need to be an advocate. You can be in the grassroots and need to be an advocate. Advocacy is needed in all walks of life, at all epochs of life, at all points in life. There's always someone who's being mistreated in a particular setting. And when people are being mistreated, we're mistreating God. Whatsoever you do unto the least of these, you do also unto me. So stand up for him and stand up for yourself. Be an advocate and accept the advocacy of Jesus Christ. Hey! I hope you enjoyed this message. I mean, we could have went on and on and on. There's so many different streams that I could have went down, but I tried to get straight to the point, learn to speak truth to power. I love you guys. I challenge you to share this with uh, three or four people that you've never shared the podcast before. Repost it. 
let people know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And until next week, God bless you. You've been listening to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I am your host, Derek L. Calhoun. Be well. Bye-bye.